All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. How the hell are you guys? Um, there's a lot of people. So let's just start up in that corner. To me, that's Buddy. Buddy, how the hell are you? Yeah, I, I'm doing good. Uh, it's early and I uh, have to be up early because it's a beautiful morning. It is. It is. Mike, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jesse. Happy to be here. Ready to talk some Disney. Yeah, Mike's a second time on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Tina, how Hi. are you? I'm awake, and that is all we need right now. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Jesse? Dude, I'm ecstatic because you guys are like three of my, and you know, I use the phrase nerd as a term of endearment. So I don't really think that you guys would be offended that I consider you guys like three of like my favorite, uh, like movie, like pop culture nerds. Um, one of my first earliest memories of Tina was that she would like just do these posts and talk about uh, these, these Disney, right? And then remember, like I had you on my podcast originally just to talk about the Disney channel when it was brand new. And um, Mike's movie posts are great um, all the time. Um, I'm always uh, squinting with my old man eyes trying to see what his last four movies he watched are. And uh, I love it because like with Mike, you can kind of see patterns. You can see how his brain's working on certain days. And um, <laughs> there's a couple of times during pandemic where I was like a little bit worried. I was like, oh, I hope he watches something funnier. Um, but, <laughs> but uh i don't know if we helped him out because we were just trying to uh, convince him to watch one flew over the cuckoo's nest which um i think now might be safe to watch but maybe like six months i watched one flew over the cuckoo's nest uh rewatched it about six months ago and it was it was a dark it was a dark couple of hours but um i definitely check out one flew over the cuckoo's nest. and buddy you've got a uh you've got a show about uh just movie trivia and so I couldn't think of a of a better combination um, of, ha- of 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 folks to have on board for top five Disney Pixar uh, movies, and uh, there was some some controversy with some of my friends because they're like, "Well, no, it's either got to be top five Disney or top five Pixar," and and I was like, "Look, I had this conversation with the stars of the show, <laughs> and we agreed we're going to go ahead to fully encompass." the evolution of what Disney has been over the years, it's got to be like, like it's got, we're just kind of saying it's Disney animated, right? And it's, uh, yeah. yeah. If I can kick in with the first nerd comment, I'm actually in the middle of Bob Iger's book right now, um, who is the now former CEO of Disney. And he went into a bit of length about the Pixar merger and how that all went down with Steve Jobs. And I'd say it's very, very much part of disney for sure that's how you guys say right and um so i was like no it's it's disney slash pixar and here we are and i'm so excited to just to god it's, it's gonna be so all over the place uh, i think this I, i'm anticipating that this will be the hardest i don't think we're gonna get much crossover where like we always get like you know two or three people mention the same movies or the same songs or the same book or whatever we're talking about. But I don't know if there's going to be a lot of crossover here, but we'll just have to wait and see. You guys ready? Yes, sir. Do it. Let's go ahead and jump in. And I'll just let, I'll let, uh, I'll let Buddy uh, start us off. Buddy, what do you have at your number five? 
for me, this was the hardest one to like choose that last spot because uh, there's so many. But for me, it was Mulan. Uh, I, this movie has one of the best soundtracks that I listen to uh, all the time. And uh, for every you know like negative thing somebody will have to say about it, it is probably the most fun of the 90s Disney movies for me. Like I can watch it anytime. It will always be fun for me. What did you think of the of the live action version of it that they just released? Uh, I had a first watch. I was really mad at all the things that we lost from the animated feature. Um, but then when I took that nostalgia out of it and I rewatched it, it's a very beautiful movie. Um, mm. it, it'll be somebody's Mulan. And it just won't be my Mulan. Oh. <laughs> A good statement. That was a I saw that one for the first time uh, a few months ago, like the original Mulan. I had oh. never seen it, and I really, I really liked it. I actually yeah. thought that a lot of the songs from it were from Hercules, though. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> the same era. Wow. Actually, that's where I that's where I stalled out on my uh, movie watching for um, when I was doing that Facebook stuff. That was, I think, I. I think I skipped it. I was just realizing this morning, I think I skipped it because I had stopped online because I spent all of last year watching every uh, Marvel MCU movie in order and then all seven seasons, 136 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So it was a very Marvel year. So that whole thing got put on the shelf and then I started to hate Facebook and then I just started watching some more but then not writing about them. So I, I think I skipped uh, Mulan, but that was for it. It's kind of was listed as kind of an underrated movie because it didn't do very well when it first came out and it's kind of actually lumped into a group of the post-renaissance movies that didn't do well for some reason but clearly I mean after it was released on video and everything it, it took off because it's still pretty prevalent that you know that they would do a live action movie says a lot about it too so. yeah yeah like okay um Mike what do you have at number five uh for number five um, well, first off, just really briefly, on my list, there were like so many that I wanted to put on there that I limited it to only one movie from any particular era of oh. Disney. So like I only have like one Disney Renaissance movie, like one, uh, yeah, so that kind of thing. Um, so my like post-Renaissance picks, so, like those early 2000s, uh, is Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah i i just think that movie is so fun to watch like the animation is really unique it doesn't look like a lot of the other disney movies um it's a really cool setting for a disney movie you know in hawaii and all that uh the physical comedy especially with stitch is just fun to watch like i think i actually like laughed out loud a couple of times which is weird when I'm like sitting by myself watching a movie alone. Like normally you need people around you to laugh, but. Do you mind but, you talking? Nah. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just like the relationship between Lilo and Stitch um, is it's fun to watch that progress and grow because Lilo is such a flawed character. Like she's not, the kind of characters we're used to seeing in like the 10 years before that from Disney where they're kind of just all these like perfect archetypes. Um, you know, Lilo has struggles. She has like personal issues. 
And I think it's just like a really beautiful story, but also like super fun and comedic. I've only seen it once. Wow. And I have not wow. watched it for my progression again. So it's been a long time. Like I don't even really remember a lot of it. I remember it was cute and it was nice, but I was also, I'm older than you. So it's like, it didn't, it just hit me like as an adult watching a film going, yeah, that's good. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's fair. Yeah. Cool. Also the stitch voice is just really fun to do. Yeah. I was like, it is. This is my family. <laughs> uh, that movie is super fun. The there's a lot of fun music in it too. But I I really do like like you said the that Lilo is a flawed character, but so is like the whole situation. Like she's being raised by a, a, her sister. The sister is like going through her own thing. There's like it's a very it's a very mature film for a very fun and cheery like kids film. Yeah, might be one of the first one. Now that you mentioned that, I was like, I can't think of another movie prior to that that had more of like a real family type storyline. Because usually, I mean, even if the mom wasn't there, as most of the princess movies were, but it was still like the proper parent and the proper child. And this is, I think, probably one of the first ones they didn't do that. Yeah. All right, Tina, what do you have at your number five? All right, so. None of these are in any real order. Okay. Except yeah. maybe one. Uh, my top, my number one, definitely my number one. Um, I, like Mike, also had a lot that I wanted to put on here. And these all have, a lot of these are uh, on here because of like certain associations I have. Um, I mentioned it to you, Jesse, that one time we talked that like for me, Disney is not, I don't connect as much with the animation as a lot of people do. Mine is more kind of like the behind the scenes stuff or like the park stuff. That's kind of where my ballpark is. Anyway, my number five is Hercules. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the movie that was out when I worked at the Disney store. So we had like all the merchandise, but it was just, for me, it was that change in animation style and like the color palette was different and just the, the, just the artistry of it and how they made it look like have like a Greek essence to it. Um, and just the things that they did with like the singers that were on the Grecian urn and the music's really great and has that like odd 60s quality about it. Um, but I also love Meg. I'm not a princess person, not a Disney princess person and she's not really a princess but as far as like the leading characters go for females, like I love Meg cause she's sarcastic and great and she kind of still falls into the you know the girly thing that has to be you know saved by the man but um on her own she's still pretty great I think so I just it's just fun it's got a lot of good characters and um the Michael Bolton song that I'm blanking out on is probably one of I think the coolest Disney songs that's out there what is that song what is the song? what am I thinking of the distance I can go the distance. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, great song. It's just, I think yeah. the movie as a whole is just underrated. It never, it's another one of those during that era that never did well during the box office, but a lot of people that watch it like really like it and they just never, it never took off. So they never injected it into like the parks and the merchandise and everything as much after that. So you don't see it too much, but it's, I think it's quality. So there. Nice. Hercules. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number five um, is, uh, so I, you know, growing up, obviously I'm Mexican-American, right? So um, 
always like trying to find my place in this society because like I'm first generation and so like everything we watch is like no one looks like us you know and but I still wanted to love Disney growing up and it was just so when they finally did Coco in um, 2017 and not only like it wasn't just like a token Mexican character right it was like the whole movie like just talks about like the culture and the music and I think like there's even like a Rivera family in the movie and I was like holy crap like that's crazy and like to be able to take like my 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 great nephews and nieces to this movie and to to just see let them see the the culture that that we saw like we go to Mexico for Day of the Dead almost every year you know and uh just to see it come full circle and to see that up on the big screen and to like it was it was just great so like I got I gotta give a shout out to Coco and put it at my number my number five uh it was so much fun the music is great um yeah yeah my number five is coco so uh buddy what's your number four uh okay so this one uh, i i was just starting to age out of like where i was watching disney at this time <laughs> you age um, I I aged back in very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, this one was like right as I was starting high school and stuff. And uh, there is a character who uh, shares a name with me. And unfortunately, our child pictures look very, very, very much alike. Uh, the movie is Incredibles. Uh, the character is Buddy or uh, Syndrome. Uh, and I love this movie so much because uh, I was a, a dorky, nerdy kid, and uh, I would have a, a math teacher who made me like a shirt, uh, all kinds of stuff, and he would call me Incrediboy every time I walked into a class. <laughs> it was my favorite, favorite math class, my favorite class ever, and uh, I love this movie because it's like so much that they they throw it on us and we're still able to connect because it's like a whole entire universe of superheroes that we have to kind of like connect to and we're able to do it so easily and the family dynamic i absolutely love this movie yeah that is true it's like a whole like like we grew up with superheroes like all around us but then to like create this whole new universe of superheroes and and to make them so like likable and so like the superheroes that we grew up with, that that is a pretty cool Absolutely. thing to do. They got the concept of everything that was great about uh, old seventies comic book superheroes and the families and stuff like that. It's clearly a uh, love story to uh, the Fantastic Four, um, but just in general, it is such a beautiful movie overall, and uh, I, I love it. Nice, nice. All right. The Incredibles. Mike, what do you have at your number four? Uh, so my number four was actually the hardest one for me to like pick one from an era, but it's from the silver era, silver age of Disney, which was like the 50s and 60s. And I know that uh, Walt Disney himself wasn't the biggest fan of this one. And if I recall correctly, I don't think Tina Jett is either. <laughs> That's what's important. <laughs> but it's 101 Dalmatians. Um, All right. Yeah, apparently, like, they did some 
cost cutting on this one because I guess they weren't happy with how Sleeping Beauty underperformed, even though that's a very good movie. And that's the one I was having trouble deciding which one. Because mm-hmm. um, they put so much into the animation on that one that they were like, okay, we can't like blow all this money in our next movie. So they did some cost cutting, like xerography yeah. on 101 Dalmatians. So it, the, the line work had this kind of like gritty look to it. But honestly, I love it in that movie. Like, I think it looks perfect for what they're going for. I like that it's a movie that's in like a real world setting. Um, I love how, like a lot of times when uh, Disney movies have those like animal character antics as like side stories or fillers or comic relief, I feel like, uh, like, I don't really know what this is doing for this movie. It's kind of like, taken away from the main story. But when animal characters are like the main focus, it doesn't feel like it's a distraction. So I kind of like it a little bit more. Um, and, you know, there's like one and a half songs in this movie, but one of them is like one of the most iconic Disney songs. So like, that's pretty cool. You know, the Cruella de Vil and all that. Um, I also like uh you know the, the music and it's kind of jazzy especially uh you know in the beginning where you got the the owner uh being a songwriter and doing all his stuff that's cool and then also like i totally forgot about this until i watched it recently but the scene where the criminals are like watching tv and the dogs are being rescued behind them they're watching a game show called what's my crime <laughs> and like <laughs> Like contestants are having to like guess why this person was like in jail or something. And there might've been something about like, if they can't guess, then like they, they get to walk free. I don't remember exactly what it was. Like, it was such a weird, like that, that would be like modern satire on like, like Key and Peel or something, but it was in this Disney movie from the sixties. So I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> Buddy, you need to pitch that show idea to Jesse Jones. What's my crime? Uh, Tina, is it true? Not not one of your favorites? It's, I mean, it's it's not. Um, I don't know why. It's just not. I think the animation style that he mentioned, I think, is very appropriate for that movie. It's not my favorite animation style. <laughs> that, and it's, but it's very definitive of that era, like that kind of messy, scrappy look, which I think when you're talking about a movie about dogs, I think is, it works, so. Yeah, I mean, I think, dogs. Yeah, like I think it's a nice film, it's a solid film. It just, for some reason, it doesn't stick out for some reason for me, I'm not sure really why. I think maybe it's because there's so many animals in it, I don't know. Uh-huh. It's good, it's a good movie. Uh, I didn't mean to like throw you under the bus like that, Tina. <laughs> oh, I don't care. I don't care. Nah, nah. It's good. Throw anybody under the bus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw Buddy under the bus in a little bit. Take it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. All right. <laughs> All right, Tina. What do you got at number four? Um, also in no order. Um, at my number four, I put Ratatouille. Oh. Um, it's. I just think it's a great movie. I just love the character. I love Patton Oswalt to death, and um. It's, it's just different than anything they've also done before with how they kind of, when they go into the, just the rat world of things. And one of my favorite scenes is when he's talking to his brother, I'm so terrible. Um, and he's trying to get him to try new foods. And when he's like, 
making him eat new foods. And he talks about like the sensation of combining different things and just how they animate what's going on in his head at the same time. Like everything goes black and there's just all these movements and to kind of visually portray a, a different sense I thought was cool, but even just the setting and being in Paris and how they, you know, kind of made that its own beautiful feature. Um, I don't know, I just really like it. And just kind of the, the, the passionate subject of food and, you know, just why good food means so much and the tie back to like the ratatouille and the critic and his, you know, childhood and kind of bringing that in full circle. I just think it's really great. And, um, they're also coming finally with the Ratatouille ride at Epcot this October, which I'm going to get to see and I'm very excited about. They have it out in France and um, you can check that out on the YouTubes and do a ride through. So you're almost like in a little rat car, like going through, it's kind of like a ride through, but it's not on a track. So you're taking these little cars that are like mice that are running through the kitchen. So like there's all these giant kitchen apparatus, like you go under tables and you go by fire. So it's like you're the actual rat in the kitchen running through. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool. Oh my gosh, that's going to be dope. Yeah. Can't wait for you to tell us all about that. It's going to be great. I might have to film it. We'll see. <laughs> Do it. They let yeah. you. Um, okay, so you guys are already uh, schooling me on the whole, the different eras of Disney films. What are you guys calling them? Like the, the, um, what, what, like Mike, you mentioned earlier that, well, Tina, you also saying that you're, you're pulling films from, specific eras did, did the did the eras have names to themselves or um not inherently i mean the renaissance era is pretty well known that was kind of when um beauty and the beast came out and that just whole animation kind of kicked up a notch and so like beauty and the beast and lion king and you know aladdin and all the movies that came out during that time and that's when they started to win awards again because that late 80s they kind of had a real slump there were a few wow. slumps in their animation but then the renaissance kind of is what turned it back around again um, I've not heard of the silver era, but that totally makes sense. Um, I just know there are eras. I just don't know that, what they're called. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. I mean, like, other than Disney Renaissance, I don't think people like have it in their head. Like, oh yeah, that one. But when I was looking at it, it was like, like the golden age was like the early, you know, like Snow White and all that. 40s, yeah. It was like uh -huh. the golden age. And then before the silver age, there was like the wartime era. And those are the movies nobody ever talks about because they weren't like... <laughs> as yeah. popular um, and stuff. Yeah. yeah and then there was like silver age bronze age there, there was something in between that and renaissance and then it was like post renaissance and then right now we're at the tail end of what they're calling the revival era mm, okay interesting all right so here's my number four and so is this from the silver era but my number four, because it's just such a freaking head trip to watch, um, is uh, Alice in Wonderland. And uh, I was, I, I, I love the book. Uh, I love the movie. The whole, uh, what, what era is that? 1951. I think that would be silver. Silver era? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right after Cinderella and right before Peter Pan. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I'm looking. Man, I forgot all about. God, there's so <laughs> many movies. Yeah. Yeah, this is really hard. Yeah, my number four is Alice in Wonderland. Uh, buddy, what do you got at number three? Um, I only wanted to do like one from every series of movies. And so like one of my favorites is the Toy Story series. And this one was the hardest to like pick which one I wanted to put on here. 
so I did the mature thing and rewatched all of them the last couple of days. And uh, number two, Toy Story 2 is my number three. It is my favorite of the grouping. Uh, it, it tells such a deep story. Um, like all of them tell a super deep story. Three and four are much more sad to me. Uh, yeah. So I think I just have more fun with two. Um, but it's it's the whole like toy collecting thing, like the whole idea of Woody not feeling connected to a family, then meeting a family, and then connecting his old family with his new family. The whole thing is super beautiful. Uh, I love uh, Joan Cusack as Jessie. She is uh, my absolute favorite addition to the star or to the Toy Story cast. She's great. Um, the <laughs> The whole storyline of like flipping the idea from the first one of like now we're gonna rescue uh, uh, Woody and this whole thing it's very uh, it's very cool and I I was surprised that out of the four it was my favorite um, they're all amazing but uh, Toy Story two for me is the best one the, the Toy Story three was so sad it kind of like hangs this like cloud over the whole it's like like right like right when you said Toy Story I was like. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you went with Toy Story too, because like, yeah, um, I love the Toy Story movies, and like that's like right about the the time where like my uh, great nephews and nieces like started like watching movie, and and that was like a great uh, way to introduce them to these animated classics. You know, that's a great one. Oh, I'm glad it was Toy Story too, buddy. Whew, you're not- <laughs> You're not as dark as I thought you were. <laughs> All right, Mike, what do you have at your number three? Uh, my number three is a more recent one. So it's from the, the revival era Disney. <clears throat> um, and it's Zootopia. Oh. Um, I, I, I missed this one when it first came out and I saw it kind of recently. And I was surprised at how much it felt like they really really invested into this like one-off movie like it felt like a movie that was meant to kick off like a cinematic universe because <laughs> they just put so much like thought and care into like the, this fully realized world um like there's all this implied like history and social structure that they like barely scratched the surface on mm-hmm. i'm, I'm kind of surprised it didn't kick off a cinematic universe or at least get some like straight to DVD sequels or whatever. Um, but, you know, the themes that this movie tries to handle, I thought were really mature. Like it tries to handle things like race and gender and, you know, politics and social structure. And I think it does it like pretty well for a family oriented movie. Like, I don't think kids would get sort of like weighed down with any of it, but there's kind of like planting those ideas that they can start thinking about. And then when you're an adult watching it, you can look at it on that level and not just be like, ah, this is for kids. Like there's just a lot going on in it. And um, I thought the voice acting was really good. Like I kind of thought, you know, Jason Bateman would just be like, oh yeah, he'll just be himself. But like, no, he like really did a good job. Um, And they all did. And, uh, yeah, like I it was I think it's cool when Disney tries to make a movie with like mature themes, but often that means that movie's like really dark. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't the case. Like this was like a fun movie 
that if you like really stop to think about it, it's handling all this heavy stuff. And I posted about it on Facebook a while back and Josh Pereira referred to it as Disney's Chinatown, which <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with. I thought that was a great comparison. Yeah, I like that movie and I, for the same reasons, I really liked it because of the topics that they did touch on, which this was, I'm looking at my internet again, March, 2016. So this is, you know, the debates are going on or starting to go on or what they started, but that was the election year, 2016. So it's like, I think it's just smart that they kind of wedged all this stuff in knowing that the parents are going to be captive audiences because their kids are going to want to go see it. But then to also like lay all this stuff on the parents, but like you said, in a kind of a, a light, easy way to where you're almost like, it makes you stop and go, oh yeah, like we suck. <laughs> yeah. But not, you know, but then the rest of the movie is still great and fun to watch too. So that's, yeah, I thought that was a great way to handle that. Movies, the, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jesse. I was gonna say movies that make us stop and realize, oh wow, we suck are just, yeah. are just great, are just great. What were you gonna say, Mike? Well, I was just gonna say like, to be fair, like even though I just said all that, I do think the way they handle some of those topics is like a little bit clunky but not in like not in a way that's like bad or anything it's just like it doesn't really apply one-to-one -one because it's about animals and not people um i think it like it asks you to do a little bit of the legwork which i think is fine mm -hmm. yeah yeah because like ultimately like art is just supposed to start conversation you know it's yeah. not really supposed to say that this is the way like it's just supposed to be like a, like an open a door for you and say think about it you know so i think like from that aspect it, it, you know what you're saying is absolutely right you know yeah all right uh tino what do you have at your number three um again not in any order and this one is two reasons i picked frozen um oh. enough. um again it's a princess movie which is not my big draw but it's the animation style kind of uh, was was one of it one of them because it um, has kind of a 60s era animation style to it um, or 60s design style animation and like color palette and everything um, so visually I love this movie um, it was I think it was one that had some new technological advances put on it too to make it even more amazing but I mean obviously the soundtrack is great. Um, the characters are all great. I'm a big fan of Olaf. So <laughs> for me, this is oddly enough, and again, not being a princess person and not being caught up on the soundtrack, like this is one of those movies of theirs that I could watch over and over again. Like anytime it's on, I'll just listen to it. There's a lot of other movies that are even on my top five that it's not like if it's on, I'll just leave it on in the background automatically. But this is one of them for some reason. I think it's just because it's, it's visually pleasing to me, but also Olaf makes me laugh, and that's pretty, pretty much Olaf it. Olaf is great. Yeah. I didn't see that movie until like a week and a half ago for the first time. Oh, really? Almost purely because I figured it would come up today. I was like, well, yeah. I want to have at least seen it. And I loved it. It's a great, and this is, again, it's this one I don't have like any nostalgia to. I don't have anything except that this is one that I just straight up enjoyed. It's just a fun, yeah. fun movie. Yeah, nothing wrong with that, man. A movie that you just enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so my number three is like, so I guess like um, my, my, my number three is, is Aladdin. Um, just Robin Williams. Um, like I grew up like with Mork and Mindy and 
uh, Robin Williams live at the Met was something that I watched like just over and over and over and over and over. And um, I just loved Robin Williams. And when I found out he was going to be like in this, this, I was like, how, like what? And like, and like that they, they captured, like they just let him go, you know? And I, I rewatched it uh, maybe about six months after his passing. And it just, it just blew me away how like it was, it was Robin Williams, you know, and it, and then Gilbert Gottfried is so great, right? Um, uh, it's it's just it's just a great it's a great movie. It's it still holds up. It's a great rewatch. It's so much fun. Uh, that's my number three is Aladdin. Excellent choice. Excellent. Have you done a top five Robin Williams movies yet, Jesse? Oh, wow! <laughs> that would be hard. It's on. Top five Robin got okay. Sorry, you're gonna give me such <laughs> my brain just went. Um, I will end you. <laughs> uh, um, okay, buddy, what do you got at your number two? Oh, uh, yeah, so my number two is a more recent one. Um, it is, um, it's a very personal movie for me, uh, it's already been brought up earlier. Um, but uh, Coco is my number two. Oh, um, yeah, I was uh, like this movie wrecks me every time I watch it. Like, even before anybody starts talking or any music hits, I just I'm already weeping. Um, <laughs> I, I was also a little boy raised by my grandmother, and uh, my grandmother was like the closest person to me. And uh, this movie came out like honestly one year after her passing, uh, and she had dementia. And- she uh she was awesome and the the music in this movie is beautiful the story is just absolutely gorgeous and there's like these disney does the most amazing thing with flawed characters they don't always have flawed characters in their movies but when they do they're some of the best ones to watch like olaf uh but in this one we have um oh my goodness i'm forgetting his name right now um but uh the the actual dad but there's like so many like um beautiful moments in this movie of like uh mistakes being made but like it's okay because in the end the whole idea is to get the family together and the art style in this movie just blows my mind it is beautiful gorgeous the colors are vibrant and it uh, takes so much uh from that beautiful mexican like culture and the color palettes that they use and uh i love it i i watch this movie all the time anytime i need a good cry i will throw this movie on <laughs> automatic character for me yeah it's so good yeah and like how you said like like the the colors like like they go like 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 there's the there's so there's very much like a frida Kahlo and a diego rivera feel to all of the art and um yeah, it's it's such a great movie. I, I couldn't agree with you more, buddy. All right. Gorgeous one. Yeah. Uh Mike, what do you have at your number two? Okay. My number two is my Disney Renaissance pick. And I was like going back and forth a lot on which one to put on there. Cause I really like Lion King. I like Little Mermaid. I like Aladdin. I like Hercules. I liked Mulan. And uh and um, then I rewatched a movie that I hadn't seen 
since I was a kid. I remember liking this one as a kid, but I didn't remember that much about it. And then when I watched it uh, recently, I was just blown away and it wasn't even a contest at that point. And it's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, wow, you must have uh, hated my post. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so, I mean, you know, I'm not like the biggest like Disney person. I, de I definitely enjoy Disney movies, but it's not like the Disney draw for me necessarily. Um, I do really like Broadway musicals though. And uh, Disney Renaissance, like that era, like the reason that did so well for them was because they decided like, oh, what if we started like structuring our movies like Broadway musicals? And, you know, we got like songwriters to come in and do the, like, this song structure and this story structure, these kinds of characters. And that's where they came up with The Little Mermaid. And then they just followed that formula for like a decade or whatever. And, um, and, you know, those movies do that really well, like Lion King, Little Mermaid, all that. But when I watch The Hunchback of Notre Dame, like that one to me, like it feels like I'm watching an actual Broadway show. Like those are the kinds of shows I'm used to seeing like on actual stages with actors and everything. Mm -hmm. Just the way that like, like the way that they'll have like these big chorus ensembles and, you know, these really grand uh, like musical moments and uh, just like the kind of closer to reality with its themes, you know, just like religious oppression and stuff like that. It just felt so much like a real Broadway musical that it just like hit that thing for me. And as soon as it was over, I was like, man, I want to watch that again. And like, I, I think that was another thing that solidified that as my number two. All right. Tina, what was your post? This is one of my least favorite, but I, I agree with everything Mike said in terms of like the music, because the music was great in that movie. Um, and it is, it's another one where they did a great job like with Paris and it, it's beautiful in that sense. I just, <laughs> like the theme and the, the story point that they were getting at, I, I identify and not identify with that, but I, I understand that and that's solid too, but I, I cannot get past the Frollo thing with, I can't remember the name of the song. You know what I'm talking about though. Like that whole thing, I was like, wow. That's an amazing song though. He's such I, a like twisted Disney villain. It's so goddamn creepy. And it just, that just for me, it's, I'm that's actually- what I like. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I'm just surprised that they put that in there. First of all, that someone was like, yeah, let's green light that scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just that for me, I just couldn't, that kind of just ruined it for me. <laughs> like, and it really kind of overshadows the whole thing, but there are great moments in that movie and there are great songs and, and things, but I just, as a whole, I just can't dig in with that character of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's totally fair. Cause like, like I said, if you're coming at it from like, a, I want to watch a Disney movie angle, like it, it no but yeah but you know like a character whose entire motivation at least for like the plot of the movie is like I don't like the thoughts that woman is making me feel I'm somebody of like stature in like the church and the like the judicial system I'm going to villainize her make this all about me like that's something that you put you see in like Broadway shows like that all the time and so like for that kind of villain to be in that movie like I thought it was great. Super creepy as hell. Yeah. 
That's a great song too. Uncomfortable scene, man. There are some really underrated songs in that movie, or yeah. maybe not underrated, but like overlooked. I keep like, blanking out of all the names of the songs, but yeah. The one where Quasimodo's like singing, like I want to be out there. That yeah. Um, it's gonna take me too long to look them up but yeah that song is i think that's the one i'm thinking of that's the the particular song of that yeah esmeralda had a pretty good song about like not wanting her people to be yeah. oppressed god help the outcasts that song that actually i think is one of the best songs in there for sure yeah the only one i really remembered as a kid was the topsy-turvy one because it was like wacky and they said it a hundred times mm -hmm. um but again like it follows that broadway structure really well because about that point in musicals is when they put in a song that's like now it's just a fun song because right. we want to make make sure you're having a good time at like about 20 minutes in or whatever yeah, yeah alan menken was um one of the two that worked on that movie so yeah which he did a lot of the renaissance films yeah howard ashman too before he passed nice oh and yeah tom hall's playing quasimodo who i loved from amadeus um that was a good casting too that's it right. yeah and kevin klein is uh as famous. Yeah, like, i you know when, when i rewatched these movies that i saw as a kid like i don't i never thought about voice acting back then yeah and now i'm like oh look to me more oh look kevin Cl kevin klein but like it makes sense for like the 90s and all that and yep. he did a really good job yep they enjoyed him yeah <clears throat> all right tina what's what's your next movie uh what are we on two yeah, yeah. um my number two is toy story um partly because just the the childhood connection to it with all the toys and being the same age as you i had a lot of those toys um and just it was the first you know pixar film that was out there and just changing animation from what most people knew of it and it was the first it was the first movie that pixar did obviously that you know disney had um distributed and that was kind of the thing that put them more on their radar to um, become an acquisition property down the road was what they were able to do with that movie and just what it meant for the future of animation and what it could do to help Disney had they, you know, partnered up with them or bought them out straight up. Um, but yeah, just all the characters, you know, it's kind of weird when I talk about like the Dalmatians and how that one, for some reason, I feel like doesn't sit well because it's all dogs and all animals or whatever, but then this one's like all toys, which I don't know what the difference is, but I think again, it's just because like seeing the things that you played with in your head come to life, not in your head, but when you're a kid come to life and, you know, have voices and, um, and then just all the voices that they had, who I'm also blanking out on, like John Ratzenberger and, you know, Tom Hanks and who am I forgetting? That's Mr. Potato Head. That's, oh my God, so amazing. Don Rickles. Thank you. Um, yeah, Don Rickles. <laughs> that's like one of the best things. Like the it fact just... that Don Rickles is in a Disney movie, right? Yeah. That is like the least Disney person. So raunchy. <laughs> yeah, just, and again, yeah, all the voices, all the, you know, the identifiable people in that movie. It's just, it's great. It's a milestone movie. So for Disney, so. Yeah, yeah. Don Rickles, he's great. Don Rickles is fantastic. He's yeah. great. All right. Uh, my number, my number two is, um, I, I, I was, I was also trying to like, um, cover the whole span of disney but i kind of got stuck in the 90s and like i had to like just like i mean 
you know, you, you talk about what you know, and then like I know the the Lion King, like in and out, inside and out, over and over. Um, my nephews and nieces that lived with me at the time uh, when th they were growing up, and like we kind of raised them. Like, we watched The Lion King. Like I, I used to. Um, I have this thing like when when the family goes on vacation. And like, we always end up in like five hotel rooms and there's like three people to a room. Nobody wants to be in my room because I wake up early in the morning and I open up the blinds and I scream when I was a young warthog and I just wake everybody up. They just know it's coming. <laughs> but then they're just like, oh, but I do it. And, um, and Hakuna, and I, <laughs> I used to work with the guy uh, at the warehouse, the record store. And uh, on his name tag, it said Hakuna Matata already. <laughs> <laughs> and just like so much like of the, like it just, it took over the whole culture at the time. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, 1994. So like right on the heels of Aladdin, you know? Um, yeah. Um, the Lion King. And then it's just such a dark story up some, you know, that it's so happy and fun and just, joyful and then it just gets hella dark you're like whoa that's creepy you know and um yeah i can go on about the lion king forever but i'm not going to but uh yeah the lion king is my number two 1994 the lion king and that's yeah, another one too that, that era you know that was one where they actually did turn a lot of those movies into actual broadway shows obviously lion king being mm. the most successful of those and that that soundtrack from the actual broadway i had purchase i've actually listened to that more than i've actually watched the movie just because it's so fantastic and i haven't even seen the musical yet which sucks um but it's great it's still on though isn't it like <laughs> the longest running broadway show in history or something uh, i think uh it's not the longest but it's been on yeah it's not stopped i don't think since it came out for sure but and just the way they kind of reinvented that because they didn't make it look like an animated broadway film they kind yeah. of completely artistically flipped it and just the way they do the costumes with the people kind of almost acting as puppeteers is just amazing yeah. i think mel knows somebody that was in that show for a while oh, really yeah i i think that movie is the first movie i saw in a movie theater and like my parents like don't believe me because i would have been three <laughs> and i'm like no 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 like i distinctly remember seeing the lion king in a big dark room and like, I, I think that must mean I saw it in the movie theater. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I know for sure 100% that I saw the page master in theaters because it gave me nightmares. And that was that same year that was after. So yeah, Lion King, that, that's close to me for being my first movie theater experience. Oh my God, I feel so nice. Cool. nice. <laughs> um, okay, so we're at the point now where we're going to talk about um, before we get to our number ones. We're going to do, like, I like to call them our also rants or our honorable mentions, which are, like, movies that, like, didn't make your list, but you want to you want to mention them because they, they hold a special place in your heart. And, like, you might, like, maybe it's, like, something that only you love or just, like, something that just didn't make your list. Um, Tina, what do, you, what do you have on that, on that list? All right. I'll try to get through this quickly. So <laughs> the first one I have on my list is Sleeping Beauty. <clears throat> Um, but that one is because it's my earliest memory of me and Disney period. And it was not because of the movie, but because of the book. 
Oh, look at that. This is actually one that I found later, but I had this actual book when I was a kid and I just, I loved the, the style. Like I love medieval, it's even though it was a shitty period to live in, like I love medieval artistry and like just the whole, just everything about it. So, and it had that kind of sixties slant to it too. So just visually, I loved this film. I loved um, Florifon and Meriwether and it's just my first Disney memory was this. So the movie just kind of ties into that also. Um, oh my God, I lost my thing. Uh, Princess and the Frog, no particular order of anything, but I also love, um, that was when they kind of went and returned to a traditional animation style, um, hand-drawn animation versus digital. There's a little digital in it, but that's, I think another one of their very underrated movies. Um, thankfully they're giving it some due in the parks now. Like. Uh, Tiana, I think, is one of the most beautiful princesses. If you want to rank princesses, I think she's amazing because she's also not a princess that was a princess. She was a real flesh and blood human being with problems of, you know, everyday problems like we all have. Um, but the movie's just beautiful. And so I like that one. It's underrated. Um, I have Up and Inside Out. Uh, I, I don't know why I put them on the same line. I think because both have moments where I'm like, fuck you, Pixar, um, up because of the opening when it makes you cry and inside out because of goddamn bing bong making you cry. Um, is your hat from up? It is. I was just going to get to that. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. The other reason I love up. And again, the movie is amazing, but the, one of the things that is most endearing to me is Russell being, um, in a kind of scout troop because I love just scout badgy stuff like the whole scout culture so this is his hat the wilderness explorers and then one of my favorite things that i um uncovered when i went to uh, epcot or not epcot but disney world last is at their animal kingdom park they have these books you can pick up your little wilderness explorer guide um, it's a handbook and you actually pick these up and go around the park and there are cast members stationed around that you can earn badges from so there's little badge stickers that they give you and each page is like you learn different things like you're in a scout so like there's you know you learn about ham radios or you learn about asian culture or you learn about bats and each person that works there like tells you just really cool facts and i'm a i'm a knowledge nerd so like this was i was running through the park like getting all of them and i didn't realize they, that the park closed at five or the program closed at five so i'm actually short too so when i go back this time i'm going to get my final two um but this was like one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I'm like, if you don't, and it's not advertised really. So if you ever go to Animal Kingdom Park, and especially if you have kids, pick up one of these books and it'll be like the best thing you've ever done. So there, and yes, this is Russell's hat. And I love that stuff. So. Um, and then the other one, sorry. Um, oh, Zootopia for everything we already talked about. And um, I also solidly have Coco on my list. Um, again, for all just the visuals, because that movie is beautiful. I actually, um, the last movie that I saw in a theater on regular time was Zootopia. Before I went and started doing uh, my, I have to rewatch everything list. Um, and then I refused to watch anything new that came out until I came to that point in my timeline of watching films. So I have actually not seen like Coco or not Coco. Um, I haven't seen like Soul and Upward and Moana and I haven't seen any of those yet, sadly. Um, but I went and saw Coco uh, partly because I was stupid and thought it was coming out in 3D. And I was like, this movie's going to be amazing in 3D. And then I went and I was like, oh shit, it's just 2D. But either way, I'm just glad I saw it on a big screen. Um, just because it's gorgeous. And then the song where Coco's dad, they flash back and Coco's dad singing to her as a kid. 
fuck that scene too, because I lost my dad and I was like, ah, so, and that's it. That's my honorable mention list. <laughs> Mike, what do you have with your honorable mentions? Um, I'll, tr I'll try to be quick with these. So my, uh, I have at least one for all of my eras. Uh, so my, my post-Renaissance era, I have three picks actually. <laughs> one is the Emperor's New Groove, just cause it's so fun and funny, just like Lilo and Stitch. Never seen it. Icon iconic lines, Tina, you gotta see it. <laughs> I haven't gotten that part yet. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get there soon. Um, and then kind of for the same reasons, cause they, they sort of feel like the same kind of movie for me, uh, Treasure Planet and Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Like those are just like really fun, like action adventure movies that uh, I, I wouldn't say they're underrated, but they get overlooked. They're, yeah. they're pretty fun. Um, and then for the Silver Age, my runner up like Tina is Sleeping Beauty. Um, I love the animation in that movie. It's so gorgeous. Mm -hmm. All the like different layers of uh, like those opening scenes where like, they zoom in on like this court and I'm like, whoa, there's like 50 layers going on here and like a hand-drawn movie. Evan Earl is the background artist for that movie. And I, I'm ticked off at the uh, Disney Family Museum. I think they had an actual um, gallery of all his artwork from that film that I missed out on, but he's he did all that kind of backdrop style. So kind of like Mary Blair did a lot of um, like Alice and Cinderella and all that. Um, she, he did that movie specifically. Yeah, and like apparently I, it was the first Disney movie in 70 millimeter film, which I guess is part of the reason it looks so like grand. Oh yeah. Um, and I also just love how it's uh, like, it's so, it's kind of generic. Like the story's really generic. Like there's a good person, there's a bad person. There's, a, there's some fairies. Like it's really generic really straightforward but it doesn't like do anything to sort of like take from that classic fairy tale kind of thing like it doesn't get bogged down with filler or side stories it's just like and then he fights a dragon and like the dragon looks amazing <laughs> maleficent's a great villain too just fun and yeah and partially because i mean even though there's like a character like like claude frollo and uh hunchback where i'm like ah oh, but seeing his motivation is so interesting but Maleficent is just like, I'm evil. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> me. Great. Um, yeah, so Sleeping Beauty. Um, my, uh, what was it? I already forgot what it's called. The Revival Era. Um, those, for me, uh, the runner-ups are Frozen and Princess of the Frog, Princess and the Frog, kind of for the same reasons we already talked about. But I also, um, I will add, that those two movies for me are uh, kind of like a return to um, like doing that kind of Broadway show format again, yeah. which I really appreciate. Um, and then in the Renaissance era, my runner ups were Little Mermaid and The Lion King. Uh, just, I love those soundtracks. You know, I could watch those movies over and over. Um, and then my Oh, you know what? I guess I'll, yeah, okay, whatever. My runner-ups for the one I haven't said yet were uh, Inside Out and Coco. Um, you know, Pixar, like they, they just, they tug at the heartstrings. They do it so well. We, we all, we go and take the abuse from them because we love it. <laughs> yeah, every time you go to one, you're like, all right, what, what's the part that's gonna make me just hate them this time? <laughs> that five minute window of tears, maybe more. 
Uh, buddy, what do you have in your also rants? Uh, these ones were pretty easy for me. Uh, they at one point or another they were all my number five, but they I just kept searching them out. Uh, Soul, I have to say because it, I know it just came out. The animation is brilliant. Uh, Jamie Foxx's performance is amazing, and uh, I just love that movie. I've seen it like two or three times already. Um, Frozen. Again, for all the reasons we've said, um, Monsters, Inc. Uh, is also a big one for me because I just love that movie. Uh, I love all the performances and it's a fun one. And then finally, uh, The Jungle Book, because that one was like big for me as a kid. Like I watched that all the time. The music just hit with me as a kid. But as an adult, I don't love it as much. Yeah, the music in The Jungle Book, the songs are great. They're great. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in my also rants, I have, uh, I don't have a lot. Uh, uh, the Aristocats, I love the Aristocats. Um, I love Toy Story, uh, Finding Nemo, you know? Um, and then this morning, like I had this, like, I was like, wait a minute, was Nightmare Before Christmas a Disney movie? So I had to Google it and uh, maybe Tina could shed some more light to it, but like that it was supposed to be under the Disney banner, but they were worried that it was too dark and creepy. So it is on Buena Vista Touchstone. Is that what happened? Yeah, it's on the list of because I the list I was going by to watch all the films was um, just on Wikipedia. It's the list of all the theatrical releases. Yeah, it's on and their list, right? That's on there. That is Touchstone. Yeah, Touchstone Pictures and Skellington Pictures. So they own Touchstone. So it just was under their umbrella, but it wasn't like an actual thing. But um, uh, Burton, Tim Burton used to be a Disney animator yeah. um, at the company. And so he still has that connection with them too. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't released as a big thing, but obviously it took off, especially how they have it connected with Haunted Mansion at, um, yeah, now, uh, yeah. at Disneyland and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think I, uh, I realized that. I, I, I always thought it was Disney because uh, you go to that world in Kingdom Hearts. So I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's Disney then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was curious. It's can't it's remember it, it, but it would have been my if it was like full-fledged disney it, it would have easily been my number one i i love <laughs> that movie but um it's it's only an I'm, I'm playing by the rules and it's only an also rant um, <laughs> i also like to post on facebook and see what some of our friends uh like to say um vidalia hogan who is uh who is on my podcast a lot of times uh, one of my old school friends from back in bakersfield uh she said her top five i don't think they're in any order uh, she has Toy Story, The Princess and the Frog, Frozen, Coco, and The Lion King. And then she says, wait, I forgot up. Take Frozen out. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Dan Smith, Dan the Can't Stand Up Comedian, uh, Up, Toy Story, Alice in Wonderland, Ratatouille, The Rescuers. Shout out to the Aristocats for a Disney movie named after the dirtiest joke ever. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, Marco Cabote, uh, Toy Story 3, damn him. <laughs> Marco likes to go dark. Uh, Toy Story 3, The Emperor's New Groove, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Lilo and Stitch. Coco was great, but don't know if I could put it in top five. Um, Heather Rogue, great comic. Um, uh, and of course, Heather gets controversial. <laughs> She loves to be controversial. Heather uh, says, I checked Wikipedia and the studio uh, Gibby 
movies that Disney bought rights to are on the list. So I'm including those. Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, Wall-E, A Bug's Life, and five is a tie between Up, Ponyo, and Mulan. And a good friend of mine, uh, Mel Shiyosaki, uh, The Lion King, Toy Story, Finding Nemo, Coco, and Onward. Do you guys think that... Um, okay, so here's two questions I have. 20 years from now, will we be talking about Soul as one of these great Disney movies? Uh, Tina, you haven't seen it yet, but Mike, have you seen it? I have. Do you think we're going to be talking about Soul 20 years from now as one of the great Disneys? Maybe. To me, it, it feels like it retreads a lot of stuff from inside out. Mm, uh, yeah. I think culturally that it focuses on African-American culture, I think it's going to be one of the kind of like how Coco focuses on Mexican culture and why that's important. I think Soul has its own importance in the same way. Um, but then animation style too, like I haven't seen it, but even just the previews and seeing some kind of behind the scenes things, um, uh, like the, how they did the textures with the hair and just like, they're getting so good at being able to make things look more realistic in an animated sense. Uh -huh. so. I do think the barbershop scene was probably one of the best scenes in that movie. Uh, yes. Yeah, that, the whole uh, breaking down of the animation, because it looks very different from where you're at in the film. Um, there are some parts that are brilliant, like Coco, how Coco has those parts that aren't just like in the world where it's like a little bit more uh, ethereal. I love that Soul does that. And I think what sets Soul apart, other than having a particular just story about the African-American uh, culture and all of that, is that uh, like the whole idea of uh, 22 and just that's a very dark story of like not wanting to be in this world because this world isn't the softest and nicest and happiest place to be like that very beautiful like that it's i think it i think it'll grow in time honestly uh -huh. i think it'll be one of those ones that matters more down the line than it does right uh -huh. now. and well, you know, uh i when i first saw soul i i wasn't sure what it was going to be about um, I, I thought it was going to be about music and uh, like the, the opening scenes, you know, kind of like with him, like, you know, music teacher and like, you know, trying to get this gig. And I was like really, really excited to see this movie that was going to be all about like jazz music, yeah. kind of the same way that I felt about La La Land and similarly got the rug pulled out from under me. It's like, oh, it's not actually about this. <laughs> like, like it, it feels like Soul takes a left turn just as it was gonna be like, oh yeah, this is all gonna be about like jazz music and like, how it fulfills this man. And then it was like about something completely different, which was also a good topic. It just felt like they were kind of at odds. Like it felt like it was gonna all tie back and then I don't think it really did but maybe I just missed something. No, the music did not have as much of a uh, relevance on it as maybe it should have. But the 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 music throughout the movie very much represents that jazz culture and it's very mm -hmm. beautiful. There's a I, I'm blanking on which series it is, but on um, Disney Plus, if you go under Pixar, they have Pixar has some great uh, behind the scenes series, even behind the scenes of what happens at the studios, and they. I can't remember which series it is, but one of them talks about Soul and the animator um, 
who wrote the storyline. It's kind of very loosely put some of his life bits in it. Like I think he was very into jazz and I think he might've even been a teacher too, but that's a good one to watch too, just to get some back filler. Nice, nice. All right, let's, um, let's move on to our, to our number ones. You guys ready? Let's do it. All right, all right. Tina got muted for some reason. Oh, I had. Oh, did you do it? Oh, okay, okay. Background cool. noise. That was me. <laughs> All right. I just want to make sure that we didn't that you you were unmuted for uh, our number ones. All right, buddy. What is your number one? Uh, the rest of them, I had trouble like placing where they were and the numbers and all that stuff. This one for me is the easiest. Very similar reasons to what you're speaking about earlier, Jesse. My number one is Aladdin. Uh, I grew up obsessed with anything Robin Williams did. I, I was not, unfortunately, around for the Mark and Mindy things. <laughs> I was more uh, Dead Poet Society, um, Flubber, uh, <laughs> everything he did. Jack was a big one for me. Um, Patch Adams was a big one for me. My favorite Robin Williams movie of all time is Death of Smoochie. I just love the man. He is perfect. And um, him being such a big character in this movie and being such a big part of this movie, uh, really attached me to it. Uh, he's great. The, um, the story is brilliant. And uh, I just love uh, this idea of like the, this, again, Disney with their flawed characters, but this very flawed character in Aladdin who is, you know, he is a homeless boy, but he's also a thief and stuff. And he doesn't always make the right choices. And even when he gets these powers from the genie, he does make a ton of bad decisions just because you know he's never had this kind of power and stuff but ultimately when it all comes down to it he does make the right decision to free the genie he realizes all of that stuff it's beautiful the love story is uh much more different than your regular uh damsel in distress kind of thing like jasmine i believe has a lot more power in the relationship than you typically see in like those romances in uh, animation and uh, uh it's my favorite <laughs> i watch it all the time i do like the live action version with will smith i oh, think will too. i i think will knew he could not go in there and do robin williams so he had to be completely different and i respect that so much that i actually enjoy the film all right okay good point good point um mike what do you got at number one all right, I didn't think to bring props like Tina, so I'm gonna go grab a prop real quick. Good, good. <laughs> Visual podcast. Yeah, I I had um I have the Alice in Wonderland book, but it's way over there. I didn't go get it. Okay. All right. So, like I said, my runner-ups for number one were Inside Out and Coco, meaning this is my Pixar choice. And uh, this is a series that has meant a whole lot to me for basically my entire life. And if I had to pick one movie from that franchise, which is Toy Story, it would have to be, not this one, <laughs> not this one. <laughs> OG Toy Story. Um, this movie 
meant so much to me as a kid. Uh, I think I was in kindergarten when it came out. I absolutely loved it. Um, I probably have more like Toy Story merchandise growing up than any other Disney thing. Um, just like the sense of wonder it gave me because you know I would have these toys from the movie and I was like kind of aware that they did all this with computers but I would still like look at like still images from the movie or like the you know my VHS cover and try to like pose my toys in the same like poses and stuff but I never had like any of like the best versions of those toys so it was like you know like something I got from a happy meal it's like oh this is good enough <laughs> um and you know, the fact that Andy in that movie started out as like a little kid in those first two movies and then in Toy Story 3 he was going off to college right when I was going off to college Aww. so just like like that hit me really hard you know and that like Toy Story 3 just destroyed me <laughs> and then the less said about Toy Story 4 the better but those first three movies <laughs> no, I'm sorry buddy <laughs> But those first three movies, they mean a whole lot to me. Um, I, I was uh, I was telling um, somebody in high school who soon after this conversation became my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, yeah, like I really liked Toy Story as a kid. And I always wanted like the official toys. Like I wanted like the, you know, the, the Woody with the pull string and the hat. And my parents never got it for me. And then she got me, <laughs> oh, shit. she, yeah, she like tracked one down, like not the new ones from like the newer merchandise. She found the original one on eBay or whatever. Um, I'm not sure if it still works. Okay, it does. I had to replace the battery. Um, and then, yeah, and then we were not dating at the time anymore when like Toy Story 3 and 4 came out, but we did go and see them together. And uh, Woody came with us, and <laughs> like this, I didn't have to buy him a ticket. I just kind of snuck him in. <laughs> but yeah, like this, this, this series just means a lot to me, and uh, and I really enjoy the first three. This, the fourth. I, I mean, I don't want to get into discussion about the fourth. It doesn't, it doesn't really do it for me, and I have my reasons. But uh, when I when I think about the one that means the most to me. I, I thought at first it would be three because of like the finality of everything and like how emotional of a journey it is. But I don't think that three means the same thing to me now as the original meant to me as a kid. Like that was like basically my world, you know? So I gotta go with Toy Story as number one. Wow. No. <clears throat> Uh, I agree with you. That's a great story, Mike. Thanks for sharing all of that. Wow. You can't have, you can't have a three without a one, so you got to respect the... Yeah. Tina, where are you going to wrap your list up? <clears throat> well, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, also at number one, and this is a definite number one for me, um, is also Aladdin. Um, but he touched on a lot of it, but for... Um, on a personal note, um, this was the first, okay, I didn't have cable 
and I am older. So that whole like eighties era of films that came out like with Robin Hood and all like, I didn't really tune into those because I just didn't tune into those. And for some reason, it's like, I went from the book of Sleeping Beauty to Aladdin. Like for some reason, that whole span of time, like I had no true Disney connection for some reason. We didn't have like the movies in my house and we didn't have cable. So I wasn't watching like things on reruns or anything like that. And I don't know why it never caught my attention until Aladdin came out. And one of the biggest draws obviously was the Robin Williams connection. And I also grew up with Mork and Mindy. So he was very kind of big into my pop culture world already. And then to see him in this film was the thing that kind of hooked me back into Disney in general. Um, and then it was, I'd, I'd been into Disney before, like I'd been to Disney World and all that stuff, but just for some reason it didn't click and stick with me um, as kind of part of who I am until this movie came out. And it's like the last movie that I went to in a theater with my mom, because I was a senior in high school, Michael. Um, <laughs> as the next movie that came out was the first one he ever remembers seeing, which is sad. <laughs> um, so it was the last movie I saw like in a theater with my mom. And then I, you know, graduated high school and went to college and moved away. So um, there's that. Um, it was really kind of like the first one where even though movies before that had name actors and even going back into like the forties, like they still pulled actors from that time to be in there, but it's like the Robin Williams injection almost kind of like set the standard where it's like after that, like every animated movie, you better have some names yeah. in it, you know, because it, it, it was, I've heard them talk about that, that how Robin Williams was the, 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 the catapult of that. Yeah. Because the movies before, like they didn't market it with those names. They were just part of the film. But like Robin Williams made that movie be what it is. And obviously the all the ad-libbing that he did is, you know, kind of set another bar. Um, the live action movie, I also really, really liked for the exact same reasons. Like I, if you take away the Robin Williams aspect, and like you said, he just, he had to come in and do something different, but still respect the, the storyline and everything. I think, you know, he made it his own. And as long as you don't try to force a connection between the two and just enjoy it for what it is, it's a great film. I think it's funny and it's beautiful. Um, oh, uh, when I was on the college program in 95, um, <laughs> this uh, Lion King was actually the big movie that was out. So I, that's my sort of connection with the Lion King is just because that was out at the time. So like everything, I worked in um, merchandise and uh, Walt Disney World areas. And so like that was, you know, all the stuff was all Lion King, but Aladdin was still on the radar because it was the one previous. So like there was um, still an Aladdin King parade at the studios theme park. And so it was kind of still part of my world in a sense, you know, because it was still alive at that time. So yeah, Aladdin, it's kind of brought me back into the fold and it's just a, it's a great film. Yeah. yeah. A lot of, lot of great Robert Williams talk today. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, my number one, and it just, um, uh, I just love the, the music and it's from 1940, right? And it's so brilliant and so beautiful and just um, Mickey Mouse as the Sorcerer's Apprentice is just my absolute favorite. I still want a tattoo of Mickey as the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, maybe, maybe this year I'll finally get it. But yeah, my number one is Fantasia. Um, I love everything about it. I, I discovered it when I was, um, I like I didn't grow up with cable either. Um, 
But when I got into high school and I got into marching band and they started teaching us about Mazorski and pictures at an exhibition and night on ball mountain and just like all of this, how this, you know, how Mazorski's music was in this movie. And I was like, it just blew me away. And I, I still love watching it. Um, probably watch it once a year. Uh, uh, Fantasia is my number one. Um, that's, that's my list. Okay. Um, for a while, I thought doing our top five was going to be hard, um, but it seems like um, let me get a separate sheet of paper here. Uh, it seems like this this top five isn't going to be too hard because we've got two movies that got repeated, and one of them got uh, three. So it seems like obviously number one is going to be Aladdin. Um, which is great. And then uh, Coco got mentioned on two lists and the original Toy Story got mentioned on two lists. So uh, I will definitely concede that the original Toy Story is <laughs> it's okay. like a better I, film. I just love Toy Story 2. I had to so, see it. But then I also want to point out that... Um, even though Inside Out didn't make anyone's top five list, it got mentioned a lot. So <laughs> I just want to throw that out there, that it got mentioned a lot. Um, so we've got, oh, so not putting Coco or Toy Story. Okay, so three of the top five are definitely, Aladdin is at number one. We don't know where we want to put Coco yet. We don't know where we want to put Toy Story yet, but we've got room for two more movies to be in this top five list, um, what do you think they should be? Hmm. What were the ones in the honorable mention list? That you, like Inside Out and what was the other one? Um, well, shoot, I didn't write the honorable mentions down. Oh, sorry. But I think we all brought up Frozen at least in our honorable mentions. <laughs> if not in our top fives. It was and one of Tina's like, top five, right? Yeah, it was one of my yeah. top five, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Tina's, so really quick, Buddy's top five was Mulan, The Incredibles, Toy Story 2, Coco, Aladdin. Mike had Lilo and Stitch, 101 Dalmatians, Zootopia, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Toy Story. I had Coco, Alice in Wonderland, Aladdin, Lion King, Fantasia, and Tina had Hercules, Ratatouille, Frozen, Toy Story Aladdin. It's a lot of variety across those. <laughs> I, I think the fact that Tina had one in her top five that was in, I think, everybody else's honorable mentions is worth something. Frozen? Frozen. What is crazy, if this is where our top five is shaping up right now, there is uh, nothing pre-1990s <laughs> on this list of top Disney movies. Um, but do does that mean that are we going to do one as a token or are we just saying that like we've evolved from that? What, uh, I, I kind of feel bad that we're not saying that one of those movies. I think it's just a reflection that a lot of these were emotional picks. And so that's just not an era we lived through. So it didn't have any, like those have maybe just nostalgia, but they, you know, it's like, Mike going back and watching something from the 80s like it, he doesn't have a connection to it he might appreciate it but or like 101 Dalmatians I know that was on your list but it's um 
it wasn't for any emotional reason. So I think it's just, we're yeah. so far from, you know, the thirties, yeah. forties, fifties era that unless it was kind of like artistic or something technical, it's like, we don't necessarily have a good kick with it. Doesn't mean any of them are bad. I mean, you got to give a nod to Snow White just for, you know, it's <laughs> technological advances and the awards it won and just being the first feature animation, but it's not on anybody's list. Cause it's, it's an all right movie, but it's not like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and even when there is like, like you just mentioned 101 Dalmatians for me, like I really liked that one as a kid and I liked like the imagery of it and the characters. Um, but again, like kind of like you said, like I, I can't have, like even when there is that emotional connection for me of like, oh, I liked it as a kid, it's still so far removed from like the movie itself coming out in the 60s and all that. But it, I mean, it just depends because like I had Sleeping Beauty on because of the book that I had when I was a little child. I mean, had I watched the movie instead of having a book, I mean, that would have probably been in my top five, but it, it just, it's a personal thing. I think if it wasn't a personal connection, I just don't think it made the cut. <laughs> for sure. We've got room for one more. <laughs> I mean, I want to throw head. Hunchback in there, but I know Hunchback ain't getting on this top five. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, is Inside Out on there? I think that's probably one that I think most of us had maybe isn't. I, I, I kind of want Inside Out to, to be in it because and one of the questions I wanted to ask is like, do we kind of like, we all loved Inside Out, but we don't want to rewatch it because it just, what it does to us emotionally. That's how I feel about Up. Uh -huh. like, I, like I'll enjoy all the Wilderness Explorer stuff on the side, but that one for me is just hard because it just hits you right off the bat. And it's just like, I getting over that hurdle. Yeah, once you get past it. Yeah, once you get past it, like it's fine. It's just, but just subject, knowing that I have to do that right up front is just like, it's hard for me to jump in the pool, I guess. I like Up for that. Like the fact that that opening is basically its own short film. Yeah. And it is really emotional, but it's like earnest in the way it goes about it. Um, I think that retroactively or retrospectively, up feels a little manipulative because after up pixar was like oh oh we'll do this every time yeah and like <laughs> and so like when you look back at up it feels manipulative but i think it's just because they do that with every movie now and it feels so it feels kind of forced sometimes like inside out like did we really have to see the imaginary friend die <laughs> like <laughs> like it, it no yeah Inside, Inside Out doesn't like, uh, I get a lot more laughs out of that than yeah. I do like the emotional wreck out of it because just a lot of the characterizations in there are purposefully like uh, over the top and mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, that one I, I totally can rewatch. Up is a hard one for me to get past that first scene. And I get why that 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 all matters because it allows for us to forgive some of the cranky olderness that our character goes through. But also, it is damaging. It is heartbreaking. <laughs> well, okay, look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the pitch for Inside Out being number five, and I'm gonna like this is this is a. Uh, I've studied Freud a lot, and Freud said like. Just let them talk and whatever they keep bringing up, that's that's the root. That's where you need to go. And 
we've talked about a lot of stuff and, and inside out kind of keeps making its way back into the conversation. And, uh, uh, I think we're just dealing with a lot of trauma there. <laughs> we don't, we're not ready. We're not ready to deal with it yet, but I think that, um, I'm making my pitch for, I'm making my pitch for inside out to be our number five, uh, in it. Uh, we don't necessarily have to talk about it right now, but, I think we're just going to leave it right there. Um, what are the other four that we have on there? So then the other four are Aladdin, Coco, Frozen, and Toy Story. So if we're going to put one on there that didn't really show up on a lot of lists, um, because like when you said like, hey, let's do top five Disney movies, like that, that kind of felt like if you got a room of people together and we're like, hey, what are your top five like Beatles songs? Like there's going to be such a variety like, because these mean so many different things to so many different people. But if people were getting together to make like a definitive list, like I, I recognize there would be things that wouldn't go on my list that would be on this like definitive one. I think I'd really like to pitch the Lion King to be on the definitive Ooh. top five. So do oh. we wanted the Lion King to kick inside out, out, put the Lion King like number five? I could go with I either one of those. Um, cause the line, I, like, yeah, if I was making a list of like significant, like the most significant Disney films, Lion King would absolutely be on there. So I can. Either okay. Way so then does the Lion King need to be higher than number five? Mm -hmm. I think we got the first three figured out and yeah. then four frozen was one that I, we all kept bringing up. The music is brilliant. The characters are great. The animation at that point was, at, you know, just getting to its peak. So. I think Frozen since at four pick, feels good. Yeah, I think since all of our picks were personal and not based on like something we were trying to sell to someone else, I think that the, the ultimate top five list we come up with should kind of reflect that too. But I could still see either one of those being on that list. Okay, so then how about like right now it's looking like Lion King is five, Aladdin is number one, Toy Story is number two. Where do we want to put Coco and Frozen? I think Coco is definitely brought up more for emotion and I'd probably rank that higher than Frozen. I think Frozen for most of us was just straight up enjoyable, but Coco takes it over the edge with the, the personal connections. Okay. I would agree with that. Okay, so then how do we feel about uh, top five? Lion King, Frozen, Coco, Toy Story, Aladdin. I, I went reverse. I was like, wait. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Number five, Lion King. Number four, Frozen. Number three, Coco. Number two, Toy Story. Number one, Aladdin. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any either way on number five. So, but the rest of it sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Will we agree? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we're good. Get <laughs> in. Awesome. Wait, can I, can I throw my hat in for Hunchback like one more time? <laughs> wait, 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 out the window. Oh, oh. I'll make Hunchback an honorable mention. <laughs> no, like, no, no. If you have most damaging Disney films, yes, we can put that at number one. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, that, that's definitely a Broadway thing. Oh, <laughs> man. This was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, okay, Best of Robin Williams is definitely on my list. <laughs> do, you want, do you want a backstory on Nightmare Before Christmas real quick? Yes, do it. Uh, just a little paragraph. Nightmare Before Christmas originated in a poem written by Burton in 1982 while he was working at an an as an animator at Walt Disney Productions. 
With the success of Vincent in the same year, Burton began to consider developing Nightmare Before Christmas as either a short film or a 30-minute TV special to no avail. Over the years, Burton's thoughts regularly returned to the project, and in 1990, he made a development deal with Walt Disney Studios. Production started in July 91 in San Francisco. Disney initially released the film through Touchstone Pictures because the studio believed the film would be, quote, too dark and scary for kids. And then they did Hunchback of Nashville. They did. <laughs> You guys, thank you so much for uh, doing this so early on a Sunday morning. Um, Enjoy the rest of your days. You guys going to go do some slosh balling? Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Buddy, thanks a lot. Uh, Buddy, you want to plug your show really quick? Yes. uh, Every Tuesday uh, on Stab's YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook, you can catch me at 8 p.m doing the obscure movie trivia show we uh, do movie trivia about uh, famous movies and then i get some really obscure questions and movies in there as well awesome and mike and tina you guys don't have any recurring shows right now do you um i'm on movie libs on uh, comedy spots live channel so right now we are at wednesdays at 7 30 and that is um me, Karine and Charlie Lemke, Josh Pereira, Stacey Cochran, and uh, Marco Cabote. We uh, get a theme and then we pick five movies and then take a scene from each of those movies to kind of reenact. So we just throw together like shit costumes and we just kind of zoom reenact it, but we take uh, certain words out and we plug audience suggestion words back in. And then, so we just reenact those scenes with those new words in it. Awesome, awesome. Mike, do you have anything going on? I, I do actually. Um... And unfortunately, I haven't been able to watch Buddy's show in a while. Like I, I was, I'm a huge obscure movie trivia fan. I love watching Buddy's show and joining in the comments. But for the last couple of months, I've had a recurring show on Tuesday nights as well. So I've not been able to watch it. Um, but uh, with, at the Sacramento Comedy Spot on our live streaming, uh, I have a video game streaming show with Dana Bryant and Evan Najaya and usually Brian Thrall. Um, and we, we, we usually try to pick a new game every week to curate some sort of really cool thing we want to show people within a particular game. Um, like last week, we had Dana play a horror game, and she screamed a lot, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's been every Tuesday. But I, I will absolutely endorse both Movie Libs and Obscure Movie Trivia. They are both really enjoyable shows. Awesome, awesome. And I, I want to give a shout out to Dana Bryant, who was like really uh, did so much during this pandemic with all of those streaming shows. And she was, she just, uh, yeah. she just really rose to prominence and is getting rewarded for that uh, hard work uh, here in the next, uh, in the next phase of, of uh, the comedy spot. So looking forward to, to whatever she's going to be doing on the, on that. But you guys, once again, thank you so much. And um, I'll talk to you all soon. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. Nice to meet you guys.